Great. Good evening, everyone. Um, welcome to our second active transportation plan update community engagement meeting. Um, I'm going to um, hang out for just a couple minutes and wait for folks to trickle in. Um, Franz, how many people do we have on the line? Um, there's two so far and let's see. Yeah, 10 people registered. So I'm sure more people will start coming in. Great. Well, um, what I'll do while we're stalling for other people to trickle in, um, I'll go ahead and introduce myself. My name is Kim Scrivener. I'm our uh, transportation planner I'm here with the city in our transportation group. Um, and then Sierra, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, hi, I'm Sierra. I'm uh, a recovery intern for the Public Works Department and working alongside Kimberly um, on this plan. And yeah. So what we're going to do tonight, um, we, and the reason why I asked um, uh, Franz um, uh, Lombard, thank you, um, to um, let us know how many people were online. Um, is that I can't see you all. So um, what's going to happen tonight is I'm going to present a set of slides um, to give an, an overview of this plan update. Um, and if you have questions, what I'd like you to do, since I won't be able to hear you or, or see you, um, is to put your questions in the, the, the comment or the Q&A um, form that you'll see on the Zoom or in the comment box. And Sierra is going to mod, uh, moderate that. And so as I go along, um, I'll try to get through most of the slides and open up questions at the end. Um, but if there are questions that are kind of relevant to any particular slide, um, I'm gonna ask Sierra to kind of interrupt me and ask a question. Um, she'll be reading the questions out loud um, so that I can um, focus on um, presenting and answering questions. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and get started um, and share my screen. Um, and so just wanted to let everybody know about that format. I'm happy you all are joining us tonight. Let's see. I'm gonna... Okay. Um, so first off, what I'd like to do is share with you all um, where you can, how you can find more information and follow along. And so on our, on our city website, kirklandwa.gov, um, you can search for the topic active transportation or active transportation plan. And it'll bring you to this webpage where we have a, um, an overview of, um, of, this work, of this body of work. Um, we also have the, um, the last time this plan was updated is, was in 2009, and you can go back and look at the language in that plan. Um, but I really want to kind of orient everybody to where you can find more information. So we created a, um, an additional um, a public comments form. So if you have additional comments, if your question didn't get answered, or if you have additional questions or think of one tomorrow, um, feel free to use this form um, to, you know, answer or ask, ask any question. Um, also want to show you um, that we have also created since our last uh, community engagement meeting, a frequently asked questions document. So um, take a look at that if you, um, you might have your question answered in there. And then also want to point you to the story map. Um, thank you, Sierra, for helping with that. Um, and most of the information in this story map, um, I'm going to present to you tonight, um, but it is the way that you can follow along. Um, it's just in a little bit of a nicer format. And then um, I also want to point out that we have, um, if you kind of go to the bottom of the, you know, this draft plan details, um, kind of next to the bike network map, you'll see it kind of scrolls around a little bit. Um, we have a, a link to an interactive bike network web map. And, um, and that'll show you of what we're planning on for our bike network and how we're prioritizing that network. 
Um, and so just wanted to point out that information. So um, as I present tonight, you can follow along. Um, that might prompt some questions. Um, so I'm gonna go ahead and get started. So um, again, welcome. I'm gonna go through a little bit of background, um, what we've done for coordination and outreach and where we're headed in terms of our policy direction and then um, what our next steps are. And then at the end, if we have time, um, what I'd like to do is um, I can open up that, that bike priority web map and um, go through that a little bit and answer any specific questions. Um, as I mentioned, we are updating our active transportation plan. The last time this was updated was in 2009. Um, but then in 2015, um, Kirkland updated our transportation master plan, which incorporated a lot of those policies and updated them um, a little bit from between 20, between 2009 and 2015. Uh, we will actually be updating the transportation master plan starting next year, which will incorporate um, the recommendations from um, that we're working on now with active transportation. So um, I wanna um, talk about how with these plans, um, some cities kind of separate out their, their walk plan from their bike plan. We do have them combined, but we will be addressing um, the various overlaps and the various differences between the two. So um, we are not just talking about sidewalks. We will be looking at lighting and access to transit and how people get across the street safer and wayfinding, and in particular, um, how people of uh, all various abilities um, can navigate through our city. And so um, just so there's a wide breadth of, of work that we're looking at in, um, also wanted to mention the same thing with bicycling. So we do, um, our bicycle network is, um, is a real big key component to this body of work because um, our focus is to make sure that um, we have a connected bike network. Um, because if you can get to where you're going, um, but only halfway there or only part of the way there or even 90% of the way there, um, but the last half of your trip is, is uncomfortable or scary, um, you might not choose to bike. And so um, the connectivity for our bike network is really important. But also, again, we're looking at um, intersection treatments, um, access to transit, some examples of a technology such as um, a signals. Um, for bicycling, one thing that we have identified in Kirkland is that um, our bike detection is not working very well. <laughs> um, so that means that when you're on a bike and um, if you see those little tiny bike symbols, that means that that's where you place your bike so that the signal can detect you. And we found that some of those don't work very well. It's, it's one improvement that we're looking at making. Um, another example of technology are um, some, for instance, um, what's called a leading pedestrian interval, which means that as a pedestrian crosses the street and you have turn movements, people um, taking a, um, for instance, a, a right turn, um, what happens is if you get, if you give the pedestrians a little bit of a head start, they have time to, to get out of the way outside of in this range of being hit and they're also a lot more visible. And so that's an example of how technology can help um, us facilitate interactions at intersections. And then we're also really interested in counts. And so um, how can we better count people that are walking and bicycling? We currently do have counts on our Kirkland corridor um, and in three different locations. And we do count um, um, at every year for at signalized intersections, um, but there are other improvements that we'd like to, to make in terms of how we can better um, talk about how successful projects are, um, how many people are walking and biking, and it helps us um, to um, show that we've made progress and there are more people doing that, um, or you know how well treatments are um, being received by their, our community. So wanted to talk a little bit about how come this is so important for Kirkland. Um, we are also working simultaneously on a 
a plan called our Vision Zero Action Plan. And Vision Zero is the goal to reduce our serious and fatalities um, on our streets to zero. In Kirkland, um, we actually have a um, fare pretty well in terms of our crash rates to compare to some of our neighbors and to other cities in Washington state with similar population. But we are still seeing serious injuries and fatalities. And 62% of our um, fatal and serious crashes are people walking and bicycling. Um, this also is a big deal because people that are out walking and rolling are not encased in a, in a vehicle. And so um, the, the likelihood of a, of a serious injury or a fatality is just more common than if a crash occurs. And so this is one of the reasons why this is so important. So we're looking a lot of, at a lot of safety measures. Um, when we first started this body of work was back in 2019. Um, it was in conjunction with our Safer Routes to School Action Plans because there's so much overlap. We created this umbrella term, safe and active transportation, which we'll probably use again in the future once uh, these, uh, the active transportation plan and the Vision Zero plans are adopted um, and, and as we move forward with implementation. Um, but in the beginning, we, we coordinated on this in terms of outreach. Um, we worked together to make, take a look at our data to make sure that was updated. So when we do our analysis, it's accurate um, on some of our recommendations. And then we also worked with um, the, our planning department in terms of coordinating with the sustainability master plan, our neighborhood plans, and then also through our neighborhood safety program. And so there are a lot of overlaps and um, kind of, you know, one of our jobs is to kind of think about how all of these um, kind of pieces uh, sew together. Um, what happened though was in, um, once COVID hit, um, well, wait, I'll, I'll stop there. So part of the, the coordination is that we did um, have a community survey um, that, that between October and January, October 2019 and January of 2020. Um, and this asked the community questions about walking and bicycling and school access and the general barriers. And we had a really good response rate. Um, I was very pleased that we, we beat out the, the dog park survey, which also had a lot of surveys. I think this is probably one of the most successful response rates we've had. Um, and it's nice that we have that kind of pre-COVID data. Um, and so, um, and just going back to this a little bit, um, what happened was that when COVID hit in, in March of 2020, we had actually had planned a, a summit and neighborhood association meetings. Um, and um, based on direction from essentially um, staff constraints and um, redirection, um, the city went ahead and uh, um, finished out the Safe Routes to School action plans because kids, you know, kids are important and we really need to make sure that that was our first priority. And then um, now we're picking up the active transportation plan and Vision Zero work um, again, although we have been continuing to kind of work on some of our data analysis through Vision Zero throughout COVID. Um, but cycling back to the, the survey, um, we, we asked questions about why people are interested in walking or bicycling, um, but also what impacts their decision. And the, if the biggest um, message that we, we heard from the community in a variety of different ways of asking was that kind of personal safety from roadway users was um, of a, the, of the biggest concern or um, interest in um, people walking um, or bicycling more. Um, you see the same trend in terms of kind of um, walking or bicycling. And so um, that is a message that we take to heart, um, that there is a lot of interest, but um, people still want to feel comfortable um, when they're out walking and rolling in our community. And so that's what we're gonna be focusing on in terms of our policy direction. Um, so the goal is to really design a network for that addresses people for all ages and abilities. Um, we do have to prioritize. And so, um, because for instance, we have sidewalk gaps all over the city. And um, in order for us to um, build out our, our capital 
um, project list and decide which projects to apply for grant money and those types of things. Um, we really need to make sure that we understand um, you know, how we can um, prioritize those. And so we're looking at access to transit, access to our activity centers, um, in, including the, our 10 minute neighborhoods. It's a little bit of an overlap with our um, activity centers. Essentially, um, we're using distance um, activity centers and 10 minute neighborhoods uses kind of time, which is, you know, the amount of time it takes you to walk to places. So it's, um, really similar. Um, also access to the Cross Kirkland Corridor and our parks. And then um, additionally, we look at equity measures, um, essentially um, places where we have high concentrations of people with low income, people of color, um, uh, people with disabilities. Um, and, um, and then we're also looking at kind of different age groups. I will mention that just looking at active transportation in and of itself is, is does promote equity because some people don't have a choice whether to walk or bike. And, and those people rely on transit um, to get around or walking or biking. And so um, that in and of itself doing this plan in the first place um, also in my opinion um, addresses equity. I heard this from a couple other cities working on similar plans too. That, that is their approach. Um, we're also looking at the overlap with the Safe Routes to School Action Plan. So if a project, um, and you can also find um, that body of work on our website, um, you can search for Safe Routes to School. Um, we do have an online map that shows of priority uh, pedestrian projects, sidewalk projects. And so what this plan aims to do is to um, see where there are additional overlaps and so if a if a project might have scored medium and the safe routes to school action plans but then it also um it might get bumped up if it if it addresses some of these other um you know activity centers or access to transit and that type of thing and then of course we're also looking at crash rates along corridors so um as I kind of mentioned at the beginning of this presentation, we're looking at data collection, what we can do with our signals. We're looking at connecting networks. Um, we're also looking at being creative with how we design our facilities, such as our bike facilities, um, trying to think about ways that we can better um, separate people walking and rolling from people driving. Um, uh, also looking at, um, kind of low hanging fruit. And then um, we do have to address maintenance and how we're able to maintain what we build. So with our bike network analysis, um, we started off doing a level of traffic stress. And so you'll see this in our plan as um, in terms of our existing conditions. Um, so the presence and, and the quality of our existing bike facilities, the number of lanes, speed limit, volume, and then, um, and then what we did is look at um, how well is the network connected? So where we have um, um, places where if you've, it gets to that kind of 10% of your trip that might be really high stress, um, that's some place that we would focus on. Um, so they're looking at um, kind of unbroken, low stress connections and then finding gaps in that um, to help us identify our network. And then what you'll see on the web map that I pointed out earlier is that um, then we applied that prioritization process that I talked about earlier. Um, and so then you can see which areas of the network are, um, um, you know, more of that are scoring higher on those prioritization measures I mentioned. Um, and then once we get closer to developing our draft plan, we don't have um, this yet. I can give, I'm happy to give a little bit of a flavor of where we're leaning in terms of facility type. Um, some places in the network, um, we are going to point to um, some current studies that we're having. So for instance, Holmes Point, all of Holmes Point, um, there has been a lot of community engagement, a whole study done to identify um, specific street cross sections and how to improve walking and biking. And so this plan will point to that 
Holmes Point study. And there are a couple of examples of those. We do have some other funded projects that are in the works. Um, then there are other places in our network where we will have very clear recommendations about the facility type, um, our greenways network, for instance. Um, and there might be a couple places um, that we might have to identify um, to be studied a little further because we might not know exactly what facility type. And so um, that's what you can expect um, to see coming um, for the, the web map now and then what will be coming out in our draft plan. In terms of our pedestrian analysis, so um, we are, are looking at how, what is the impact of changing our current policy? So for instance, this is just one example of, of one of the things that we're looking at. Um, for instance, our current policy in the active transportation plan um, talks about um, what, um, completing sidewalks on um, one side of all arterials. And so um, we're assessing what that looks like um, and, and, and what is the impact um, of perhaps changing that policy to ensure that we have sidewalks on both sides of arterials and, and what, what does it look like and how many more sidewalk projects would we add to our list if we add collectors to that. Um, we can begin and narrow this down um, by transit routes and school walk routes. Um, but that's one example of how we can kind of um, begin to report out on what we've done so far and, and talk about how we can do um, more and, and better. Um, another um, piece of analysis that we're looking at is um, uh, to identify some of our more local routes, not on arterials and collectors, are looking at um, um, is essentially looking at access along a network to activity centers and transit. So for instance, um, this example in Winita um, shows how many of these parcels, people living in these on these parcels can walk to the activity center using a, a, a sidewalk and a, and a crossing or a um, very low volume neighborhood street. Um, but if there's no crossing or they're missing sidewalks and arterials, um, um, you know, that would mean, so for instance, um, the, these parcels that don't have any color to them, that means that um, the people that, living, that are living there might have to get to Juanita um, by an, a non-optimal route, meaning that you, they might not have a very good crossing or they might have to walk on a, uh, on a street without a sidewalk. Um, whereas some of the other places that are in really dark um, colors, um, those people can still get to Juanita, um, but they'll just have to walk a little farther. And then the lighter colors don't have to walk as far, um, but still have crossings. And so this um, analysis helps us identify additional um, gaps in the system. And we'll try to fill this out as much as, as um, best as possible to identify um, a, gaps in our system. And then um, we also did some work on identifying crossings that need improvements. And so that looked at crash history, speed and volume. And, um, you know, we will be adding these to our uh, Safe Routes to School crossings that have been identified to take a look at those. Um, some of these have actually been funded. Um, these uh, two up here on 124th Street um, are, have a recent grant funding. Um, uh, we also have some improvements uh, coming already on um, Central Way downtown. Um, and uh, some of these are kind of identified for either additional lighting or perhaps a more, um, a, a, a better treatment such as a, as a flashing beacon um, for those crossings. So that's how we are, are taking a look at those. And then um, also wanted to talk a little bit about our neighborhood greenways. Um, uh, Neighborhood greenways are a really nice tool for Kirkland to identify places that are low speed and low volume that we can prioritize where people can walk and bike. And so um, these are generally a, a network of local neighborhood streets that 
um, have been identified to create a network. And um, the implementation of a greenway includes um, some pavement markings. Um, we have signage to identify the route so that you know how to follow the greenway. Um, it includes traffic control measures to slow down or um, the vehicles or to make driving on that greenway more inconvenient. Um, and it also includes art. And so um, we feel that um, this is one way of, of really taking a look at our network and finding routes that um, feel comfortable, that feel safe, that have very low speeds and particularly low volumes of cars. And so um, that way we're, we're trying to meet that goal of building out an all ages, a network for people of all ages and, and abilities to get to our activity centers or to get to transit, to get to where they need to go to parks. Um, so in terms of how we implement our plan, um, as I mentioned before, we're, we are prioritizing um, our, our project list, essentially identifying networks and then trying to figure out what are the most important things that we need to work on now. Um, the, and you know, our highest priority projects will, um, will be working on folding into our capital improvement program um, and creating some cost estimates for those. Um, these also help to identify projects that we would go seek grant money for. Um, sometimes, sometimes the grants um, dictate which projects we go after as opposed to our priorities. Um, most of the time they overlap because um, we generally choose priorities that grant some grants um, also choose such as equity and access to transit and activity centers. Um, but sometimes certain projects meet different grant opportunities. And so we are um, very ambitious with how um, of, of going after um, other people's money to build out our system. <laughs> um, we also look at incremental increases and in improvements such as our striping program, um, working closely with our neighborhood safety program, as I mentioned, uh, um, safe routes to school and vision zero overlap. And then um, we do, Kirkland is very lucky to have um, so much development in our city. So um, that's how we get a lot of our sidewalks built. And in some cases with larger developments, even some of our bike infrastructure or preservation of, of certain right-of-ways. So for like future um, bike or pedestrian infrastructure, if it's not kind of contiguous or long enough. Um, and so there's a variety of ways that we um, go about um, you know, implementing the, the project and plans. I'll mention that through private development, um, it doesn't really matter um, if a project is a low scoring or high scoring project. Um, if we have our lines on the map, that just helps our planning team, um, you know, make sure that those requirements are included in the permitting process. So in terms of our next steps, um, we're finishing up our, our engagement um, with the public and with our transportation commission, um, hope to bring a, um, a draft plan to the transportation commission and their meeting on December 15th. Um, we'll be finalizing that, um, uh, posting that online for public review. And um, we'll, and so early next year, we'll be engaging with council um, in, in terms of plan adoption. And so, and I guess the last thing, I have one last additional slide, the end, um, that um, just to kind of give everybody a sense of, um, you know, just one little pocket of our city and all of the things that are happening with it. Um, Totem Lake is a really good example. And so we have our cross Kirkland corridor. Um, folks might be really interested. Um, this uh, dotted red line is um, King County's own section. They plan to complete that um, in, uh, um, uh, we're hoping by December, 2021, it looks like that might you know, get into a little bit of 2022, but definitely by early next year. And we just completed the Willows Road Connector. Um, and then as King County builds out their segment, they're also going to be finishing up um, their segment, um, this kind of green line um, up to Woodenville. Um, and then Redmond, this kind of the lower half of the sea, um, 
um, they'll be finishing up um, their Redmond Central Connector in 2024. Um, we're also looking at, at crossing improvements um, at a couple of locations along this new section of the trail. Um, we have protected bike lanes that are planned um, on 124th Avenue, um, just added um, as part of the Totem Lake Gateway project, a, a shared use um, 11 foot wide pathway on the north side of uh, Totem Lake Boulevard. Um, and just completed our, our completing now our, our first greenway. This is the very north end of our first of two greenway projects. And then um, we do have another grant funding for our next um, Greenway project, the uh, stores to shores, stores being Totem Lake, shores being downtown. Um, so this just gives you a snapshot of a lot of the things that are happening in Kirkland um, in the Totem Lake area. Um, and just kind of an example of a snapshot of one part of the city that there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, so with that, um, I'm going to stop and see if there are any questions from anybody. Yeah, so we don't have any questions so far, but feel free to post your questions in the chat or the Q&A feature if you have any. Great. And so while y'all are thinking about your questions, I might go through the bike network a little bit to see um, that might prompt any additional questions. Um, we are looking at another um, <clears throat> um, project on uh, 131st um, Way, 90th Avenue, um, to look at improving the, the bike and pedestrian environment. Um, we kind of have a, a, an interim and then a longer term plan for that. Uh, the interim is a, is a, of a shared use path on the north side. Um, and then as you go up, it would be the east side uh, of that corridor um, for um, kind of a, you know, two directional pathway um, that connects to the elementary school. And the, the longer term vision would, you know, be better improvements should that facility be widened, um, as you can imagine with the, the steep hill on one side and the ravine on the other, um, widening is kind of a lot more of a longer term. Um, but the, I think the interim um, suggestion there is, um, is going to be very nice compared to the environment now. Um, we are also um, looking at the um, 120, a corridor city on 108th Street in Totem Lake. And that's to better look at pedestrian connections, um, to transit um, from the Kingsgate Park and Ride, the new um, transit access along 405. So the transit um, stride, um, Sound Transit um, will have new bus rapid transit service coming um, on 405. And, um, and then we have our Totem Lake Transit Center. And so the idea is to figure out how to make this a more comfortable environment and to make walking distances shorter for access to transit. We're also looking at, at additional um, improvements to the bike facilities. Um, a couple lines on the map that I probably need to add to this map are a couple potential street extensions um, being 130, 130th place, and then a potential for a, um, a, a bike, um, only a little shared use path connection between 130 place, 30th place up to Northeast 132nd. Um, uh, suggestion is for uh, just a non-motorized path only because of the steep slope and the, and the creek going through there. Um, another potential connection on 122nd Avenue. And so really, you know, recognizing that um, getting from Evergreen Hill um, through this area down into the village is, difficult today. And so wanted the, everybody to know that we're looking at that too. Um, wanted to, yeah, go ahead. One question uh, so far, what can Kirkland do to create a dedicated bike and pedestrian infrastructure fund? That is a very good question. Um, and I, um, don't have a great answer. That is really a question that we're going to be talking with with council. 
And so one of the strategies for this plan update is to identify um, you know, how, um, kind of how ambitious that we wanna be and what that price tag is. Um, and once we have that, um, there will be an opportunity to talk about how to fund that. Um, one example um, is kind of the, and I think my boss came up with a really great, or I think he was repeating somebody else's slogan that, you know, um, you know, money comes to plans faster than plans come to money, I think is how it went. But the, the story is, is that once we, once we um, are ambitious with our plan, um, and that gets adopted, then that's when we have that conversation. And so the example that I'd like to talk about is the Safe Routes to School Action Plans. Um, so that was just adopted last year. And there have been a couple uh, specific funding sources, one of them being the, the school um, cameras in um, two of our schools. Um, and so that has been a dedicated funding source. Um, another one, there's another um, potential funding source that we've um, that um, city manager and council has been looking at um, for safe routes to school and bike ped. Um, and then, yeah, so there are opportunities to look at how, um, I guess the other answer to that question is um, essentially every time we build out our, our capital improvement, or excuse me, our, we go through our budget cycle, um, there are, opportunity funds. For instance, we have a cross-curtain corridor opportunity fund um, that we use and that, you know, that has a certain time frame on it. Um, and that council could decide to re-up that or change that to something else. And so there are opportunities for local dollars to, um, once we have the plan adopted, to um, talk with council about opportunities for that. So that's a really good question. It's not the most straightforward answer, but hopefully my example is kind of um, give a sense of how that how that works. There are a couple different ways of, of trying to, you know, figure that out. And then again, as I mentioned, um, you know, that's just one flavor of, in terms of a dedicated funding source. There's also taking our high priority projects and then actually putting them into our capital improvement program. Um, and some of that would be fully funded into our capital improvement program. Some of that could be making sure that we have a match so that we can go apply for grant money. Um, and so there's, there's kind of a whole range of things. Um, the other one I kind of mentioned in our kind of implementation plan slide was um, for instance, the, um, our striping program that we have every year. So if we're gonna continue to add more green paint, um, add more buffered bike lanes, um, add more bike lanes, add more um, um, you know, paint on the ground, um, we'll want to uh, talk about how to supplement that program so it's sustainable over time. Um, so there's there are a variety of ways to kind of address that. So are there any other questions, Sierra? Yeah, I have one more so far. It's a good one about uh, uh, how the just kind of about the rules of the road, especially in terms of uh, like electric uh, motorized. Uh, like segways or electric scooters, electric bikes, and skate like electric skateboards. And uh, so, a couple of questions with this that we have are: when a sign says not to walk at an intersection, who has to stop? If it's just pedestrians, or if it also applies to these other users? Um, and who decides the rules of the road for alternative modes of transportation? And then um, a question about educating the public who will do that in terms of um, the guidelines for? That's a really good question or set of questions. Um, so I'll talk about electric bikes. Um, currently, um, we don't have many rules about electric bikes in Kirkland. Um, we follow essentially state law that allows um, bicyclists to stay to that they can use the sidewalk um, as long as they yield to pedestrians. Um, the state prohibits 
um, they've taken electric bikes and have broken them down into three classes, class one, two, and three. And um, the state law says that class three bicycles are prohibited from shared use paths, electric bikes are prohibited from shared use paths and from using the sidewalks unless there are no other options. Um, Kirkland, um, we have not addressed the sidewalk piece, um, but council, when we were deliberating about bike share, did um, um, approve that all bikes, even class three electric bikes are allowed on the cross Kirkland corridor. And then they cited the reason was that they just can't tell. Um, uh, uh, Along, you know, and for enforcement, um, it's just really difficult to be able to enforce if somebody has a class three electric bike or a class two. And so they, um, the, uh, the decision there was to really try to make sure that we are um, educating people and um, encouraging and enforcing the 15 minute speed limit on the cross Kirkland corridor. Um, last year, we put up a kind of one of those kind of speed warning signs um, on the on the cross Kirkland corridor. Um, so that's kind of the rules of the road for electric bikes. Um, so it can still take bike lanes. Um, we Kirkland does have on our books um, more rules about scooters. And these my understanding is that these come from a legacy of when um, there were scooters that were, um, you know, gas powered and they were very loud and kind of a nuisance. And so there were some rules about them, um, not on the CKC, um, not on sidewalks, not on any roads, any, um, uh, not to be used on any roads greater than 25 miles an hour. Um, I, one of my recommendations for council would be um, that at some point we should update that um, to be a little bit more relevant to the private, privately owned scooters that people own now. Um, for instance, I've had a couple of questions from members of the public that just wanna take their private scooter on a bike lane. Um, and so that's kind of the reason why we have those um, kind of more, uh, regulations in place about motorized scooters. Um, and then the last thing I'll mention um, in terms of kind of education, um, you know, Kirkland recently um, added a, um, a protected bike lane on 120th here in Totem Lake. And for every person um, coming through this area, um, whether you're driving, whether you're parking, whether you're taking transit, whether you're walking or bicycling, it's a constrained environment um, for everybody. And so I think this is one opportunity that we have for education that just, um, if you wanna bike fast, you can bike in the roadway, but if you're gonna use that protected bike lane that's up on the sidewalk level, next to business fronts and next to people walking, um, just like we expect drivers through that area, um, it, people should just need to, respect that it's a constrained environment and everybody needs to look out for each other and just go a little slower. And so I think that's an opportunity for us where we don't really have regulation or rules about that, um, but it's a really good opportunity for us to talk about um, kind of all, everybody just be respectful and be patient um, when we have constrained environments. And so I hope that answers kind of the flavor of those questions. <laughs> Did I get them all, Sierra? There were a couple in there. Yeah, yeah, I'd say you caught them all. Um, and then we also have one, just uh, if you could explain how green paint works for bike facilities. Sure, yeah. So um, we started on, um, I think the Market Street, forgive me for, hope I don't make anybody dizzy by scrolling around here. Um, so one thing we did on Market Street, we also did on Lake Washington Boulevard, is that anytime we have a bike lane um, that crosses a, oh, this might be an old picture. Maybe I'll go to Lake Washington Boulevard. Um, that where we have crossings 
um, that are, um, ah, sorry, here we go, <laughs> here's one. Um, where we have uncontrolled crossings. What this does is that it indicates to drivers that are coming, um, that are teeing up to, to take a turn onto the street that there's a bike lane here and that it gives an additional warning to people to, to take a look out. You know, we have uh, bicyclists that are, so they might be going at a, a pretty decent speed in their bike lane um, and expect to be seen. And so this just gives an additional indicator that, um, um, that to, to make sure that, to look out for that bike lane. Um, another example, um, that I hope to uh, this plan can help to implement more in Kirkland is um, to carry these through signalized intersections. Um, and we do have a couple projects um, that we're working on that includes those. And so um, that would include, um, this is not a good example because we don't have one here, but um, we'll actually, sorry to kind of scroll around on you. Um, but, you know, it's something that we've talked about um, up at Central Way in Sixth, um, where um, if you have a, a bike facility, um, if you stripe through the, the signalized intersection, um, that indicates both to cars turning and all of the turn movements, but where the, where the people that are on their bikes should go and where cars should go. And so um, that's one way, um, that's another example of how green paint helps. And then Lastly, again, I hope I'm not making anybody dizzy, um, is the uh, poten potential for bike boxes. Um, we just changed out our um, bike box in, um, on a, um, excuse me, um, in a, on um, 98th Avenue um, and 116th Street. So we used to have this bike box um, right here. And the intention was that when you come up on the bike lane, it was to help people to make this, this left turn onto Juanita Drive. And what we found was that once you're all the way up here, you almost have, kind of have to scooch your bike over, which is kind of uncomfortable and a little odd. Um, and so a lot of people, particularly more brave folks, would just still take the lane and get into the turn lane, um, which can be scary as a bicyclist. I've done it many times. And so, and then other people just get up on the sidewalk. And, but once you're up on the sidewalk and you're trying to get into the bike lane over here, um, what we did is um, we um, changed this around and put the bike box on this side. And so um, it would kind of, it mirrors the, what people would do um, as if they were to take this kind of the sidewalk route. So um, you, you come through the intersection on the green light and then you get in the bike box here, forget if it's before, I think it's right behind the sidewalk level. And then once that green light, then you can just go straight on. And so it is a, an extra turn movement, but it's a lot less awkward than that original bike box. So that is kind of another example of how we can use green paint uh, the, we do want to um, be cautious, though, um, without using it like too solid of green paint. Um, I find it to be a little slippery sometimes in the rain. Um, been on some bike facilities in Seattle, but it's been a little bit too too much paint. Um, so there's a um, a little bit of a balance there. That is perfect because uh, one of our questions was asking about the new orientation of the bike box there and. Uh, explaining how it's supposed to be used. And that's the only other question I have right now. Great. Well, we're, we just have about 10 minutes. Um, I guess, you know, the last thing, I'll just finish a couple thoughts on the, on the, the network um, and then um, just invite anybody to come and, um, you know, we have my email address. You can go to that, our, pay, our webpage, um, just want to point out um, that you can, um, you know, turn layers on and off. Um, we did have a couple new projects that weren't in our original um, layer that we added that are new to this last year. Um, I did take a 
crack at um, mapping up a couple different projects that we have. They're funded or in the works. It's not an exhaustive list. We have a lot more projects. Um, I mentioned the Holmes Point study. I mentioned kind of good, Goodwill Hill, if you will. Um, we're working on a project on 100th Avenue, um, which will be buffered or protected bike lanes. Um, I'd already mentioned this, um, our project in Totem Lake area. Um, by the way, we have a on, on similar type of format online community engagement meeting next uh, Tuesday. Um, if you wanna talk, hear a little bit more about that. Um, one of the other ones I'll mention is the, um, the I mentioned the Stores to Shores Greenway. Um, we're, we're looking at, um, still kind of up in the air in terms of um, some of the routing in um, the Norkirk neighborhood. Um, so we'll be doing more outreach on that. Um, taking a look at um, uh, uh, doing further study on Lake Washington Boulevard. Uh, we also have some grant funds to um, put in some um, transit queue jump lanes on 108th Avenue, which would also take the bike lanes. Um, up on the, so these would be northbound, um, up on the sidewalk level. And so um, where you have the transit queue jumps, you'd also have a protected bike lane there. So just wanted to explain a little bit about what you can see in our map. And um, yeah, with that, again, um, you know, go to our, our active transportation page. Um, there's frequently asked questions in there and um, our, again, our story map and um, yeah. So with that, are there any last questions? I don't see any others. Um, Great. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Um, oh wait, I do see, um, oh wait, no. Never mind. Sorry, Sierra. Um, so with that, thank you very much, everyone, for joining us tonight. Um, really appreciate your interest and taking your uh, time from your evening. I'm really looking forward to um, bringing our recommendations to council and to one of our previous questions, figuring out how we, we implement this. So um, thank you again. And always feel free to reach out to me directly. Um, my information is on the Active Transportation Plan website or the um, through the comment box. So. Thank you. Night.